was not a symbol of an age or a philosophy. He was not the symptom of anything else. He was not the expression of a generation, one generation or another. He was not a phenomenon, he was not a functionary. Israel Miller was, to put it simply, a mensch, an extraordinary personality, a human being of flesh and blood who strived and succeeded in fulfilling all the potentialities of a bus of Adam. He lived and breathed decency and integrity and sweetness and politeness and chachmah. He was a very, very special individual, a special human being. I knew Israel Miller for most of my life and most of his. In my student days, I knew of him. He already had a reputation as being a young, rising star in the American Jewish Orthodox rabbinate. As a congregational rabbi, he was a marvelous success. He was beloved, he was admired, and at the same time, he was sophisticated in the politics of the community in the best sense of the word. He was a man of great warmth and heart, a, figure, a father figure to many, and in his later years, a grandfather figure to many others. He was an ish chesed, a man of love, outgoing, and warmth. I got to know him best in the years since I became president of Yeshiva, after 1976. I worked with him closely. He was vice president. I appointed him a senior vice president. His special portfolio was the students. He loved them. He adored them. In fact, they didn't always understand him because of the difference in generation. He would at one point say to them when they were very upset, he would say, Kindalach, don't get upset. Kindalach meaning, of course, the affectionate term. But they took it as being your little children, you're not adults. But he did have that feeling of kindler. These are our children, these are our boys, our girls. And he was their father figure to a very great extent. Allow me this evening to focus on only three aspects of his illustrious career in the ways that I knew him best. First of all, his communal leadership. His communal leadership is well known. There is he headed probably more organizations than anyone I know. And in fact, many of the organizations he himself founded from the very beginning. But that was what was very special about his email was that he did not do what he did in the community because he was an Orthodox rabbi. I always wondered, so many of his colleagues became the head of Mizrahi, the head of young Israel, the head of the Aguda, the head of the Pole Aguda various organizations, orthodox organizations. Israel Miller chose a different path. He became uh, very active on behalf of the entire Jewish community. And I wondered about it and I understand him. He proved, he proved that an orthodox rabbi does not have to be narrow in his predilections, in his loyalties, in his activities. That as an orthodox rabbi, he felt for the entire community. He had all of them within his embrace. 
to him, Claudius Loyal was an overriding principle. And thereby, Rabbi Miller was a Kadeh Shem Shemayim Barabim. He proved that you don't have to be narrow, you don't have to be parochial in order to be orthodox. He had a love that embraced every Jew. And this was the kind of, the kind of attitude, the kind of broadness that was manifested by so many Gedoli Yisrael. I can think of uh, the Bishakal Khanan, the Nesiv, or certain Hasidic Admorim who had the same attitude. He, Rabbi Miller, was our role model of a Jewish leader. He was our elder statesman and one of the most eminent alumni ever to have graduated from Yeshiva University. Israel Miller was a Claudius Yid. Second, at Yeshiva University, as senior vice president, he meant many things to me personally. He was my colleague, my collaborator, my confidant. He was to me both a Baal Eitzah and a Baal Samcha, an advisor, and a Baal Samcha is used as meaning an authority, but it really means someone you can lean on. I leaned on him. I relied upon him. He never disappointed me. But mostly, Izzy Miller was to me my conscience, my nobby. Allow me to elaborate on this a bit. I've spoken about this on another occasion or two. It may be worth repeating when I speak about him. Often, uh, in his position, a leader faces a conundrum, a very heartbreaking one, of principle versus practicality. It's not a cynical kind of practicality, it's a very real. The decisions he's called upon to make have to somehow oscillate between loyalty to principle and, and concern for the welfare of the community which he leads. The two are not always identical. Chazal, this, I don't know where the Chazal is, I have not been able to find it, but the Rambam quotes it and he's about to answer. But the Rambam says, in the name of Chazal, that call me, shehad sibur mamana oso, harnas, milamata, nikra rasha milamala. Whoever is appointed to be the harnas, which means a, a, uh, an official, of the community here below on earth is known as a Russia, an evil person in heaven. Powerful words, I would say. Very similar to this is Zohar on the words Asher Nosi Yechtar. The law is if a king sins, how, what kind of carbon does he bring? The Zohar has one word, not Asher Nosi Yechtar, but Vadai Nosi Yechtar. If you're a Nosi, you're going to sin. If you're a leader, you're going to sin. Nikola Rosha Vamala. That's a strange thing to say, especially for the Rambam, who in addition to all his various obligations as a physician, as a philosopher, as a balaloka, was the head, the titular and active head of his community. Nevertheless, he said, Nikola Rosha Vamala. Not only that, but with all the difficulties of leadership uh, entails with all the tsar and the pain and the suffering to have this moral blemish of Russia Malamalo, what, what's going on? And I believe what it means is this, that a leader has to make hard decisions, not only hard decisions, dirty decisions. 
decisions which he makes and he's not happy with them. And they gall him and they bother him. They gnaw upon him within. He has to choose between alternatives, neither of which is perfect or clean or pure or desirable or even acceptable. But he has to select the one which is the least harmful, the least dangerous, the least unacceptable, the least imperfect. Clean decisions are risk-free. For that, you don't need leadership. Anyone can make clean decisions between good and evil, right and wrong. A leader must embrace the risk of being a rosha lamala, of being considered by heaven a rasha, of being less than perfect, less than ideal, accused of ideological error, and possibly moral truancy. If by so doing, he carries out his mission of protecting the Tibor Milamata, his own living and breathing community, the community in the real world, sparing them greater hurt, more serious injury, worse moral blemish than otherwise. Leadership is not an easy task, but that's what it's all about. There is no way out. Often, faced with crushing decisions in inside of outside of yeshiva that I've had in my career, I felt pulled and tugged by these contradictory pulls of my responsibilities. Responsibility on one hand to principle, on the other hand to my community. Uh, when do you decide in favor of principle? When do you decide in favor of practicality? When do you compromise so that you have neither altogether clear principle or altogether clear practicality? I'll tell you this, no one decision becomes precedent for the next one. No two problems are alike. So what do I do in such a situation? I consult my colleagues, those whose wisdom I trust, whose integrity I rely upon. And here, I must say that Rabbi Miller was usually my conscience. He would understand the practicalities that urged me in one direction. He would lobby for the principles more often than not. And when he did, he was without intolerance for those who took the other point of view. But he was strong, he was firm, and as I say, he usually tilted to principle without blaming the others. Which leads me to my third and last point. Israel Miller was a Chacham. He was a Pikeach. He was wise in addition to being smart. His keen analysis often kept me from self-delusion his ebullient spirit, up spirit, uh, took away from me the paralysis of pessimism. His importance to me made itself felt in his combination of realism and optimism. Let me explain to you. Uh, these days, the Daf Yomi, which is studied every day of Vlad Kamara, is in Cheskas Habatim and Bava Basra. It deals basically with real estate law according to Halacha. The Talmud, of a period of several blocks, several dafim, folios, tries to prove the chazaka of Yimul Shanim, which means that if you are in possession of a parcel of land for three successive years and your ownership has not been contested, then there is a presumption that the land belongs to you. It has many, many ramifications in many areas. I'm not going to into a shir and alaka now. But then the Gemara says at one point, how do we know that the chazaka of Shalosh Shanim of three years 
is a valid assumption, a valid presumption. And the Talmud turns, of all things, to the prophet Jeremiah, Tirmiyahu, in Pedic Lamed Beis. Yirmiyahu is the great prophet of gloom, of destruction, of exile. As a matter of fact, it came into the English language. If you want to announce something terrible is going to happen and you become a little repetitious about it, you are accused of uttering Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, was a prophet of the Churban and of Golis. And in the, in the very process of telling his people to prepare for the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of, in, of independence and going into Golis for many years, he tells them one very, very interesting thing. He says in his instructions to them, make sure you have deeds to your property and make sure they are preserved because someday we're going to come back and you're going to have a return of the Shavu Bandam Legulam. So does the Kesev Yitnu, he says. Buy fields. The Chasov is safer. And record it in a, in a, in a Megillah, in a book. The Chasov and seal it. And make sure your witnesses are valid witnesses. Because I will restore my people to their ancient, to their ancient lands. A gloomy prophet who tells us that after the exile you will return. So keep your deeds. And from this we learn exactly how the Gemara discusses, the Ishan discusses, we learn the idea of having successive three years of ownership uh, is legal proof. The capacity to see through present catastrophes and crises and to foresee the redemption that will follow is peculiarly Jewish. It is the secret of Jewish optimism. And that, for me, was a distinguishing character of Rabbi Miller. How often I would discuss issues with him, and I thought, well, they're simple, you know. You do this, or you do that. And he had one, one expression he always used with me. Zelo davar pashut. I'm sure none of you who know him well would have heard it time and again. Zelo davar pashut. It's not quite that simple. He was, he was aware of the of the complexities of life and situations, of the ambiguities, of the ambivalencies, of the fact that rarely are things as they really seem. He acknowledged the hard, the hard realities of life, the paradoxes, the inconsistencies, the jagged ends jagging each other. He was intellectually mature and wise and truthful. He did not dismiss bad news and the possibility of failure. He called the shots as he saw them, and yet, always confident that as the Navi declares a verse earlier than the one I quoted, just as I brought all the evil I predicted to this people, says God, so will I bring upon them all the good news, all the happiness, all the gladness that I had spoken about. Ultimately, you're optimist. You foresee redemption without being Pollyannish, without fooling yourself. That fascinating combination of realism and yet an ultimate optimism was peculiarly Israel Miller. In discussing with him communal or universal problems, I felt sometimes, I don't want to exaggerate, as if I was speaking to you, Mio Hanovi, the same attitude calling the difficult situation as he sees it, 
and ending it off with a promise that it will clear up. Even if Zelo Davar Pashut right now, there will be someday a Davar that is more Pashut, and that will be a symbol and a source for hope and faith and confidence. Depressing in its clear and unimpeded view and analysis of the current situation, yet he held out ultimately the hope of light and goodness and confidence and optimism. If I had to sum up Israel Miller's life, his presence, his essence in one word, as a kind of warm human being he was, it would be beautiful. He was a beautiful man. He was a Shainayid, a beautiful Jew. As the says in this week's parak, I think it's this week, what is the proper way a man, a mensch, should choose for himself? Whatever is tiferes, beautiful, majestic, glorious for himself and for people around him. So I knew Izzy Miller in many guises, in many functions, in many aspects and facets. He left a multifaceted legacy and I shall miss him in each and every one of them. His demise affects each of us in so many different ways, and therefore it felt very hard to say goodbye to Izzy. A poet once wrote, for he that lives many, for he that lives more lives than one, more death than one must die. For me, Israel Miller died many deaths, and I mourn him in all of them.